And hello, everybody. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis. And joining me in the studio, I have still current city manager, Rory Watt. Rory, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm hoping we get to talk about baseball a little bit today because... Uh, what do you got baseball-wise? Yeah, Seattle Mariners, one game out of first place in the second wild card. I mean, come on. This is, is this true. is crunch That's time. true. It is crunch time. But, I mean, they, they, there's still more time. There's still there, some more time. There's still more time to be disappointed or elated. Yes, that's how it is with all sports. But I do have some big things locally I do want to talk to you about. I think I'm going to save the big one for a little bit, at least a little bit anyway. So first, let's talk about about what's coming up in the Committee of the Whole meeting today. So uh, Monday night, uh, Assembly will have a Committee of the Whole meeting, and we've got four uh, pretty big topics. We're going to have a science panel to talk about the glacial outburst flood or the Yokolop. Uh, so I think that should be really interesting. What we, what we know and we don't know, and uh, uh, you know about geology in the future. Uh, second topic, we're going to talk about the downtown hazard maps. Whether Ooh. whether we should be re- regulating uh, properties if we think they're in hazard areas or not. Uh, third topic, another another good one, uh, Telephone Hill, ah. an update on the land planning process for that property downtown. Uh, and then the fourth is also a great topic. We're going to get an update from AELNP uh, about what's going on with the power company, what they see uh, happening uh, in in the future uh, and in the coming years to their operations. So four really good topics on Monday night. Oh, yeah. And now I think of those, the first one I want to hit there would be Telephone Hills. How's that looking? Well, we had a nice uh, community meeting. It was well attended. Uh, and quite a few members of the public. Uh, they gave uh, our team um, kind of what they thought the future should look like and sort of a visiony type statement. Um, we have, you know, that tension between the existing use. We have long-term um, tenants or renters who've, who've been rented houses, uh, some of them for decades and decades. Uh, but it's a tremendous opportunity uh, for the borough to find somewhere to uh, get a developer to build more housing downtown, um, you know, which, which would require um, you know, a lot of demolition and construction activity. So we're, we're just in early uh, stages on that. I'm uh, giving the assembly an update uh, on that process, and we anticipate um, just information on Monday, uh, but options, uh, redevelopment options to review later in the fall. Okay. And I do remember some of that uh, community meeting because I was there for that one and just kind of seeing the, the takes that folks were having there. There was a lot of folks that were concerned about maintaining the green space up there as well as maintaining some of the buildings up there for historic reasons. And then there was some discussion about, you know, doing that sort of redevelopment for increased housing. But there seemed to be a lot of folks who kind of wanted to see Telephone Hill just maintained as it currently is, just making sure it looked nicer. Yeah. So we're, we're you know, I think um, in any planning process, you hear from people who are, or you mostly hear or more often hear from people who have an immediate interest um, which makes sense. So we have people that live up there and people who like the way it is uh, today. Um, but the, the people that could live up there if we develop several hundred units of housing, um, they're not participating. So you have to balance this community need for housing uh, versus the present need. I think we've got uh, about 16 or 17 people that live up there right now. Okay. And that was something I thought was interesting because, you know, we often have this discussion about, well, we need to get more housing. 
and then we get presented with an option that could lead with more housing, and then it kind of, I think I believe the term is NIMBY, where it's the, the not in my, my backyard sort of mindset, which isn't to say that they don't have genuine concerns, but it's also, it's like, well, this is a solution, but we're not doing it in that one location. Yeah, that's, you, you always get that, right? So everybody can agree uh, we need more housing. Um, and often a specific neighborhood could uh, decide we need more housing, but not here, not near me. Um, yes. And that can happen. And so that's, you know, that's why we have a public process, because we've got to balance uh, needs of individuals and needs of neighborhoods versus the needs of the broader community. Gotcha. Now, the other big one that you mentioned in there that I want to talk about is the, the hazard maps, because I know the other day there was a landslide, if I remember correctly. They, we had some issues with that, and we have in the past as well. And so what, how, what's kind of the discussion on those hazard maps looking like? Right. So we did have a little uh, landslide or mudslide up on Star Hill in an area um, that's been a little bit active over the years. Uh, and I think that just sort of drives the point home. Um, or or the question home, should the municipality um, regulate or limit development, housing or or other types of development in hazard areas? And so I think the struggle there is, um, you know, we've always known that downtown has some landslide hazards, but there are lots of places downtown that could be uh, affected by a landslide, but have been around for, you know, 50 or 100 years. And so we've got homeowners saying, well... Maybe maybe there's the potential, but my house is a hundred and some years old and it's never been damaged. Uh, and then you have events uh, that you don't anticipate, uh, like the one we had on Gastineau Avenue about a year ago, uh, where three homes were just very damaged by those large trees that came down in that storm. Um, and then you have things like the Mendenhall River happen. So the, you get the outburst flood and you know the criticism that well, it's not just downtown that has hazards. There are other parts of the borough that has hazards. So if you're going to limit development in one area, um, is, th- is that fair if you're not limiting hazard development in other areas too? So complicated issue for sure. Uh, you know, and honestly, we've struggled to make decisions on this because this one is really hard. Gotcha. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, especially when you're talking about incentive, like with the Mendenhall River situation, where none of those houses were within what was deemed a hazard because with what we knew, they were not in a hazard area. And then we had this, you know, what would have been considered a once in a, you know, couple hundred year event happen, and now they would be considered in a hazard area. Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the issue with the, the river is we, um, the way we get flood insurance for the community or we, the way we make it available is we, we participate in the National Flood Insurance Program. Um, and by doing that, uh, our homeowners can buy flood insurance that, that is backed by the federal government. So the private markets don't, uh, don't really create flood insurance on their own. Um, and as part of participating in that program, you have to do flood mapping um, and adopt flood maps and adopt code to limit development in the flood areas. None of, not, I don't know about none, many uh, of those properties in the Mendenhall River were not in mapped flood areas. We had so much water coming down the river uh, during the event. I think the number that sticks in my head is it was 180% of the prior peak. 
So almost twice as much as our previous record high. It was a massive, massive amount of water that came down the river. Uh, and many properties lost significant stretches of bank. You know, people lost more than 50 feet. They were, they were more than 50 feet from the river and they lost more than 50 feet of property. Just truly stunning the power of that event. No, definitely. I think it's important to have that you know discussion on that, which also actually ties in perfectly to talking about the science portion of going into the Yakalop, Yokalup, whatever word we want to go with now. I don't think any of us are pronouncing it right because it seems to be Scandinavian in origin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's Yokalup, but if I want to be safe, I say glacial outburst flood. That seems like the safest call. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna have people. Uh, we'll have a. Um, hydrologist from the university, uh, weather forecaster from the weather service. We'll have uh, another person from uh, USGS that does stream monitoring. Um, and, and we're going to just give the assembly the opportunity to talk about the, the science of the situation, about um, what we know, how we map it, what's hard to know. Um, I, I think the public... Um, doesn't necessarily appreciate um, how difficult it is to predict this event. Uh, and so th- those folks are going to talk about how complicated it is to model um, the, the amount of water that could be discharged uh, from a future uh, outburst flood. Gotcha. I think you hit it. You had a very important point there where it is hard to measure that kind of how much that's going to be because, like we said, it was almost nearly twice the amount it's ever been that we knew about. Yeah. And so it's a how could you have predicted that that was going to happen? And so now that we know that something like that can happen, we can try to develop a plan around, okay, well, if it can do this much, well, how do we plan around that much happening potentially again? Yeah. And, and as the glacier changes, um, the volume of water that could be dammed up. Um, you know, it's a little unpredictable, and it also depends on whether the water in in the basin is all water or if it's predominantly icebergs. Um, that can, that can change the volume greatly, and the volume of water coming down the river can vary greatly. So, if it melts a, a big um, hole under the glacier and can discharge in a short period of time. Um, that's really different than a small hole if it takes a while uh, longer to drain. You gotta love physics and water displacement, but we do need to move into our break. When we come back, I'll be continuing my conversation with city manager Rory Watts, who don't go anywhere. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And we are back with more Action Line on KNY. Join me still, I have City Manager Rory Watt. Now there is one more topic that is in the committee of the whole meeting on Monday that we needed to hit, which was AELNP. That's right. So we, we like to get the power company in to give us an update uh, about once a year um, and, and let us uh, hear what they're seeing. So they're, they'll uh, talk about... Uh, energy use trends, um, availability uh, that they have in the power system, um, you know, what they're planning for uh, maintaining their infrastructure. Uh, they've got some big projects going on around town. And, you know, we're all AELNP customers, and they're a really important part of our, um, our, our city. So it'll uh, be really interesting to get an update from them. Okay. And you said that, I mean, I'm trying to remember how long AELMP has been the one doing power around here. Uh, longer than the city. So when they, they had their 125th anniversary 
uh, I want to say a couple years ago. So Ooh. so o- over 125 for sure. Because I was going to say, I know for as long as I've been alive and been in, in the area, I'm like, it's AALNP. I can't think of anyone else that would be doing <laughs> Yeah, AALNP has been around a lot longer than the city and borough of Juneau, I'll tell you that. I mean, city and boroughs uh, formed in the early 70s, so we, we had our 50th anniversary not too long ago. That and, is true. That is and true. And ALMP has long, been around longer than the state of Alaska uh, by quite a bit. Yep. So, yeah, that'll do it. Now, the last big topic, which I knew was going to be quite the conversation length, is, of course, there is still the new city hall proposal. And I know you gave a at-length discussion on this at the Chamber of Commerce launch yesterday. Yeah. They, and I, I appreciated the Chamber giving me the opportunity to speak. Uh, you know, and I think the short um, summary is I appealed to the chamber to help uh, convince the citizens of Juneau to make a good business decision uh, for the community. And I, and I laid out the case for a new city hall on why it makes fiscal sense. Uh, it, it actually pays for itself uh, over the long haul. Uh, and I felt like it was a really good reception at the chamber yesterday. I appreciated um, uh, the participation and the questioning. Uh, and it, for, for me, it just sums up, um, you know, let's make uh, the best business decision we can. And given that city government's going to be around forever, we should own our own building. Gotcha. And I think uh, one specific example that you had brought up that I thought was interesting is the space that is being rented in the Marine View Park building. I think I remember that correctly. The Marine, Marine View building. Marine View building. I don't know why I threw park in there. But in the Marine View building, you had brought up that, you know, that you're renting about two floors of that building that could be apartments, but they're also not, they, don't you get, aren't those also going to get fined because of those? Yeah. So in the Marine View building, we have rented two floors for over 30 years. Uh, we pay about $375,000 a year in rent. If we weren't there, those that office space would turn back into about 24 housing units. Um, we, you know, we've been paying that rent for years and years and years. So take that 375,000 and multiply it by 30. Uh, it's you know probably wasn't 375,000 30 years ago, but we have been dumping a ton of rent money uh, onto that building owner um, for decades, and that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and additionally. Um, the building owner hasn't kept up the plumbing systems, and there have been plumbing failures, um, which resulted in OSHA visiting the building. And OSHA has let us know that they were going to find both the building owner and CBJ, uh, because the building owner not maintaining the building falls on us as an employer uh, not providing a healthy workplace. So when they, when they shut the plumbing down and there's no toilets and sinks and potable water, um, we're going to get fined for that. Gotcha. I think that was a, uh, quite a notable one that you brought up there. You also talked about, you know, the piping in the building, and you had actually brought in a pipe to add a visual example. I know you didn't bring it with you today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, the, of City Hall itself. So the existing City Hall, uh, you know, it's over 70 years old, and we've got steel plumbing um, that can't be snaked out, um, and the, the plumbing just needs to be replaced. I, I brought a prop yesterday, and it was my uh, old steel plumbing from my own house, which was built in 1952 and it was you know had to be cut out and it was a nice visual but we have real 
uh, building maintenance needs and problems with the existing city hall. Uh, we only have about, uh, I think about 40% of our downtown workforce can fit in the city owned city hall. Uh, we have four rental spaces. Um, so we've got this old building and four rental spaces. And the good money is just to build a new purpose built building. Gotcha. And then maybe talk to me a bit more about the sort of the idea behind and around the new building. Like, what would that one look like? Kind of the spacing for that. How many? What would be in the new building? That kind of an, an analysis for me. So, in the new building, we would have all downtown city employees. It'd be about 164 employees. We would consolidate everyone from Marine View, uh, which is the engineering and community development departments, from the Municipal Way Building, uh, which is the finance and human resource departments. Uh, we have a small office in the Sea Alaska Building for our law department, and a small office in the Seadrome Building, which is our port staff, our Docks and Harbor staff. Uh, so we'd put everybody together, and so uh, you know, we'd all the spaces we occupy now. Most of them were not built originally as office spaces, and were kind of inefficient uh, in those those floor plans. The new building would be smaller um, than the aggregate total of space that we currently use. We would have dedicated public parking, so when you come down to do uh, city business, you'd be able to pull into a visitor parking space rather than to, you know, fight for a parking space downtown. Um, be an energy efficient building um, and we would we would set it up so it would be easy for citizens to uh, come engage with their city government gotcha so it sounds like a lot of the key goal there is you know low operating and maintenance costs as well as you know accessibility would be the big one yeah you bet we want to be you know we want to be efficient with the public's tax dollar um, we want a low O&M cost building um, that's easy to maintain and easy for the public to use. A lot of people don't know the existing city hall that we own, uh, get this, it costs more to maintain that building than it does to maintain the Augustus Brown swimming pool. It's old and the building systems are all failing. Uh, and that's a cost to the taxpayers as well. So it's easy, it's easy to think, ah, new government facility. Why would I pay for, you know, facility for government? Right. That's that's like a not immediately jumping out at you as making sense. Well, what you have to realize is you're already paying more for your city government than you should. And building a new city hall means that you're actually going to pay less over the long haul uh, for uh, city services. It just doesn't make sense to uh, rent uh, for years and years and years. Every uh, person that's able to buy a home, they make that decision. Um, That's better money to buy and build equity than it is to rent forever. Gotcha. I think another uh, point you would try to bring up during the lunch yesterday was the impact of if we did the the project now, you know, there's an initial debt, but that goes away as opposed to renting out the property like the city does now. Yeah, that's right. So so, uh, if you build a new city hall, you pay a little bit more uh, for 25 years until the debt is paid off and then your costs go down. Um, if you if you rent, you're basically paying somebody else the profit on their investment, um, because any any building owner is in business, uh, and they have a duty to make a profit on their investment. And it's just simple math that low interest government financing uh, is going to beat out uh, ongoing uh, cost of capital to a private business owner. 
Gotcha. Now, my last question for you kind of comes out of a, a concern that some folks have expressed in the past. I think you touched on it a little bit uh, during the lunch. Yesterday. Obviously, folks have been like, well, why is the city spending money to now advocate for this project? Because some folks viewed that as a concern of, well, now they're using the, the tax dollar to advocate for something that they want, even though there was the fact that it was voted down last year. Yeah. So, so um, we have to, if we're going to advocate on a ballot initiative per APOC rules, uh, we have to have an appropriation and we have to track time. That's just state rules. Um, and, you know, on a new city hall facility, who are the experts? Well, it's city employees. It's people people like me that can explain municipal finances, um, and we just have to track it. Uh, and you know, it's why we're on the ballot again this year. Um, we just can't stomach the thought of wasting uh, taxpayers' money. Um, and so we're explaining why uh, making this uh, short-term investment in a new city hall um, is, is the best financial decision. Uh, and we just have to track our time on that. It's actually not a new expenditure of money. It's more an accounting uh, effort to track time that people like me spend on the, the project. There's, there's some small costs. Uh, we're going to have a postcard that will go out, um, things like that. But for the most part, we're just tracking staff time that we'd already be paying for. Okay. So I think the big thing kind of I took away from there is there's a legal requirement for you to be able to do that. Yeah, we've got to follow the law. Okay. Well, I think that is about all I've got for you. And we actually are about out of time. So, Rory, I do want to thank you for coming in and chatting with me. It's always good talking with you to get an update on what's going on with the city. Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Good talking to you. All righty. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY.